probably can do it. Here we go. We should be good now. Hello, hello. Welcome, everybody. It's telling me I'm live, so let's do this. I'm Dan, your friendly fishmonger from dansfish.com. Welcome to the uh, Fishmonger live stream. We do this every Wednesday at 7 o'clock p.m. Mountain Time, and I'm glad you're all here. Um, let's say hi to some folks. VStag was number one. No way. Hey, VStag. <laughs> glad you're here. Um, <laughs> the VBot. <laughs> I, I always I always know the universe is in order when uh, Vstag does his Vbot comments on the on the uh, videos. Real, hey real, glad you're here. Bud Hobbs, hey welcome, Bud. Good to see you. Bob Kaler, Bob, thanks for being here. Glad you're here. Average Dino Bro, what's up, dudes? Well, hey, Average Dino Bro, um, welcome. By the way, I don't know if I've seen you in here before, so welcome to the chat. Glad you are here. If you've been here and I just forgot, then I apologize. Don't be offended. Um, Bathy Phila, how's it going? Michael Wilson, hey, Michael, glad you made it. Mr. Bees, I've got to take leaking. Oh, no. Oh, no. So it might be time for a reseal. Um, or is it just from the rim? Sometimes those plastic rims, the silicone doesn't adhere to plastic really well. And so sometimes the plastic rim itself can be getting moisture going up over the glass and down between the plastic and you can get a little, little leak going there. So if it's the plastic rim, that's really simple. You just take that sucker off, clean off the old silicone off the glass and redo it. Um, but if it's, if it's a seam or something, then that's going to be a real project for sure. So I hope it's something easy, Mr. B. That's no fun. Or, or maybe it's just a bulkhead. That would be good because that's easy to replace. Um, yeah, where, give us some details, man. <laughs> where is it leaking from? <laughs> is Dan busy willing those hatches to go to the surface? Yeah, I keep, I keep trying. I'm like, come on, come on. Yeah, they won't do it. They're, but that's fine. I mean, they seem to be uh, happy. And as soon as I, here, watch, as soon as I put food in there or something, they go like this they go up to the surface <laughs> like it's food time but unless i do that they kind of just disperse so i don't know i've never seen anything like it before but they're not unhealthy or anything so yeah <laughs> lumpy dogs into house welcome jn aquarium welcome glad you're here um small fry Hey, you made it, Small Fry. Places! Yep, Small Fry is stage managing. Amp Aquatics, I'm glad you made it. Glad you're here. I hope you're feeling better and everything's going okay. Um, all right, so just a reminder for everybody that if you're new here, how we do this is, is if you have a question or a comment that you'd like me to respond to, then just type the at symbol and start typing Dan's Fish. You'll see uh, the options populate. Dan's Fish should be one of the options. Select it. And then it'll highlight for me and I can jump right to your question or comment. Mile High Plecos, hey, I woke up to the flooded fish room today. Oh, man, you and Mr. Bees are having a no good day. I'm sorry. What, what happened? Was it hopefully it wasn't like a major malfunction on an aquarium? <laughs> Did you leave the hose on? I've done that. <laughs> It's no fun. Dan Slee, welcome, Bear Bottom Aquariums, if I didn't say it, and Carter Bing. Hey, hey. 
So, oh, Lumpy Dog says to K-Town Reefer, welcome aboard. Glad to see you here. Yeah, good to see you, K-Town. Awesome. I've seen you in other streams and stuff, so good to have you here. Denny's Fish Tanks, Wichita Falls, and we'll stop here or all the stream will be is me like shouting out people, which love you all, but an hour, hour and a half of me just saying names could get really boring. So I want to give you guys an update on all the bettas and stuff that I got in last week. So there's some cool stuff. Before we do the bettas, though, the Samurai Guramis are doing awesome. I held them an extra week or two just because they're such a uh, expensive fish and rare fish that I really wanted to be sure before I sold them that they were good to go. And I've had no problems. So I listed them today. So if that's a fish you're interested in, uh, they are on sale at getgills.com right now. For those that don't know what they are, um, let me show them to you. This is worth looking at. They're an amazing fish. They're the most colorful of the chocolate garami species, basically. So they're kind of chocolate garami, um, but the females get this really beautiful patterning on them. And they're just a really special fish. I've never kept them before. I've always wanted them. It's a bucket list fish for me. So I put in an order and they've been rock solid. So they're doing great. Um, the group of red-eyed red hyphen cauliflower swordtails that I got, I kept them an extra week and a half this time as well. Um, folks tend to have, I don't know if I would call it trouble with them. They don't seem to be as hardy, perhaps. Perhaps it's all the extra finage and all the extra osmotic pressure that results from it or something. But um, I hate it when I sell a fish, especially a really pricey fish like that, and people have issues with them. So I held them an extra week and a half or so just to make sure that there wasn't anything to anything latent or anything to give it more time to appear before I started selling them. They seem to be rock solid. So those are up for sale as well right now. I only have females. I'm sorry, but that's all they sent me. So they're gorgeous though. Hey, we got a super chat. Thanks, FishTube. Five bucks. I think you had videos which mentioned drops in guppy production. I can also confirm this over the last six months. Oh, interesting. Um, FishTube, I'm not sure if that was my video. I haven't experienced drops in guppy production. What I have noticed over the last several years is just, um, I mean, taking it long term, is just guppies seem to be less hardy and seem to take more care after they arrive or imported or whatever to kind of get stable and all that, they tend to get the shimmies a lot more often than they used to. And that's curable, that's treatable with little TLC, I can deal with that. But, um, and I'm not sure if it's because before I didn't keep as many strains with long fins, maybe the long fin strains just have a little more trouble with my soft water. It could just be because this is the first place I've lived that I've had soft water, but I noticed it before when I lived in LA and stuff. I, and that's really hard water. I noticed it there too. Um, so I'm not sure if I've noticed a drop off in how many fry they have, but I have noticed just, it takes a little more work. It feels like to get them healthy and hardy and stuff. So man, I'm sorry you're experiencing the fry drop off though. It could be a function of age. Um, if you've had the 
the fry, or the, I'm sorry, that, that group for a little while, definitely as the females get older, they'll, they'll have a whole, whole bunch and then they'll start kind of dropping down a bit. And then when I lose a female, it's usually right after she um, gives birth. It's almost like once they get really old, it's almost like they have that last batch and they're just like that, that was that effort put them over the edge. So yeah, guppies are fun, but <laughs> they do take some work. Hey, did I see 54 punchy in here? I did. Pam, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, you must be feeling a little better if you made it. I, I hope you're feeling a lot better now. And if not, then real soon, but it's a pleasure to have you back. Thanks for being here. Glad you're here. And are you getting the snow I'm getting? Um, Sheridan, Wyoming right now is in a blizzard. <laughs> we have big winter storm warning and uh, it hit pretty good. So um, yeah, it's just part of living in Wyoming. It'll end tomorrow and it'll all melt off in a few days. So I'm not real worried about it, but um, oh, Mile High Plecos. It was a stupid DIY overflow. Needless to be say, I'll be drilling all my tanks now. Oh man. Sorry to hear that. <laughs> At least it was that though, and not like a, a seam on like your big 280 gallon or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I've, I've done, usually when I flood a fish room, it's because I'm filling a tank and I get distracted and I get busy with something else. And then maybe I go to work and don't even think about it. And then get a call from my wife at like, that's in the morning, in the mid-afternoon, being like, um, honey, <laughs> that's, that's how I've flooded them. It's almost always just, I, I was filling them up and then I forgot. Although there was one, I made a manifold for my auto water change system and it lasted for a while, but about a year in, the PVC actually cracked. It didn't like the pressure, I guess. Or maybe I over-tightened it when I screwed the solenoid valve in, something like that. Um, and that was a big mess. Um, yeah. So came in the morning and there was water, there was a lot of water everywhere. I think I made a video of that one. That was, that was a long time ago, but, um, yeah, <laughs> that was a fun one. So I bought the orbits like ready to assemble manifold and that's been great, but yep. I've flooded a fish room many, many times. Tim Johnson, first time here, love your videos. Well, I'm glad you love the videos. I'm glad you're here. And if you have a question or comment for us, Tim, uh, feel free to leave it. And if you make it at Dan's Fish, so it highlights the at symbol Dan's Fish, then I'll be sure to respond to you. Glenn Norton, all arrived in great shape. Thank you. I'm glad, Glenn. I hope you enjoy the fish. I hope they bring you just many, many months of enjoyment and relaxation and a good time. So glad they made it. Yeah, so far this week um, and last week, all the orders, I think if I remember right, last week, all the orders arrived in good shape um, and all the orders this week have arrived in good shape so far. So that's good. Um, this, the orders I sent Monday, that was another record. It's getting busy, it, which is great. It got so busy that I had to uh, hire someone to come in and help me pack actually. So it's things are things are going in the right direction here at dancefish.com, which is exciting. But I'm glad to hear that, Glenn. Carbon really. Hello. Well, hello. Glad you made it. Cheers to real. 
<laughs> Lumpy Dog says <laughs> to my eye, did you try to service the canister filter like Dan does? <laughs> That's another way to get wet. There's so many ways to get wet in the fish room. <laughs> Unplug the uh, canister filter, the, the in intake instead of the outtake side first, and you'll get a, a face full of fish water. It'll be fun. What do we got? 40 watching. That's not bad at all. Cool. Bob Kaler, show some love and drop a like. Thanks, Bob. I appreciate that. Not no la Jane. Glad you made it. Okay. For those of you who are wondering where I'm at, I just got to FishTube Super Chat. So I'm scrolling down looking for questions and comments. Pam is in the house. Yes, Bob, I see that. And I'm so glad. And I hope that if you're getting the blizzard too, Pam, that it, it passes quickly. FishTube, I'm talking fish coming in from Egypt, which won't ever breed. Oh, yes. I see what you're saying, FishTube. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's an issue. That's an issue with cichlids. And that's an issue with live bears for sure. And I'm not sure exactly what it is. I've heard lots of theories. Um, the one that I hear most frequently is hormones, that perhaps they're treated with some kind of hormone to get max color. And then that, you know, messes up the uh, reproductive track. I know with cichlids, this has been a problem for a long time. I used to work somewhere. They did tons of African cichlids. They did other stuff too, but African cichlids were their bread and butter. And they would order a bunch of fish in from Asia all the time. And frequently you would get these just beautiful, like a bag full of peacocks. And they were stunning. I mean, just they'd been, we called it juiced when they give them hormones. It was obviously, when you have a two inch peacock that is more vibrant than a normal, you know, big, six, eight, seven, eight inch peacock, you know, it's been juiced and they're all males, every one of them. And then after you hold them for a few months, they kind of lose their color and lots of them turn into females. So it's, they just juice them so hard with hormones that they all, sh they all show male characteristics, even if they're female. And then after a while that kind of dissipates and they start showing their female coloration, but I'm not sure that fish that have gone through that will ever breed very well again. And I wonder if that's what's going on with some of the guppies. I've heard lots of theories, don't know for sure, but yeah. And there's, it's even to the point now that on the lists, I'll get a huge list and it'll show all the cichlids and stuff. And then there'll be a group that says non-hormone cichlids. So you can actually make the choice now. Sometimes they're clear about that. Not every supplier, but it's nice that at least they give you a choice now. So I don't know if that's what's going on for sure, but that's that's the word on the street. And I know what you're talking about now, FishTube. Yeah, it's, it's a problem. In fact, I don't know if that's what happens with those high-fin red-eyed red cauliflower swordtails or not, but they are a lot more difficult to get a batch of young from than your average swordtail for sure. Now, several folks that I've sold them to have succeeded in breeding them, so it can be done, but I don't know if they just got lucky, if all the females are viable, um, or if only a small percentage can 
uh, have babies or if it's the male. I don't know what it is exactly, but I part of me wonders if there's hormones going on with those fish or not. I have no way of knowing for sure, but I know some folks are breeding them, so that's good. Carter Bing, my brilliant turquoise laid eggs once again. <laughs> it appears that the majority of the fry have found the parents. Cool. My question is, how can I safely go about doing a small water change? Okay, cool. Um, I was confused at first there, Carter Bing, because when he said my brilliant turquoise laid eggs, I was thinking turquoise guppy when I read turquoise. And I was like, wait, you're guppy laid eggs? <laughs> I get it now. So there's a few ways to do it. The, the common ways to take a piece of, say, airline hosing hose or something like that and put a little bit of fine net or mesh over it. And that's going to suck up at such a low rate that you can do a water change. The problem with that is it's super slow. So if you're doing a large volume, then you're going to be there for days. So what I prefer to do is get a normal kind of siphon tube with the vacuum, the gravel vacuum on the edge. I should go grab one real quick. Okay, hang on. So if this is your gravel vac right here, okay, and this is the tube, let's say, going off here, then what I would do is take a uh, sponge and put it over this kind of a kind of like what what a sponge filter would be made out of that kind of sponge right put it over that so cut it so it kind of adheres to the tightly to the outside so you stick the gravel vac into the sponge and then you can do a water change that way and what that will do is it'll kind of dissipate the flow a little bit so it's not sucking too strongly and it'll also just make it so that the fry can't get sucked up. And with your thumb on the other end, on the hose end, you can kind of pinch it or release it to, to adjust the, the water flow. So if the sponge is there and you're still getting such flow that the fry gets sucked up onto the sponge, um, then you, re, you know, pinch it off a little bit so you can regulate the flow. That's one way to do it. They even sell these little things that will doodads that you can clip onto the hose and, and regulate the flow with that. Um, so that, that would be my main suggestion if you need to change the water. Now, that being said, changing the water might upset the parents to the point where they actually eat the babies or eat the eggs and all that. So you might want to hold off a couple weeks before you change the water, unless there's some real need to do it. Because the less you disturb everything, the better it's probably gonna be. So that's something to, to think about, Carter. Um, if you need a follow-up on that, if hopefully that made sense. <laughs> I know that wasn't a real gravel vac, that was just a, a mug, but um, hopefully that makes sense. So let me know if you need a follow-up on that and I'll clarify. 38 watching, oh man, we dropped two. Well, oh well, you don't win them all. Chewy says, as Guppy gets older, they do have less fry, Dan. Yeah, I mean, they they peak, and then it kind of goes down, and then and then the Guppy dies. Yep. 54 Punchy, yep, snow all day. All right, you're getting what we're getting. <laughs> For sure. 
Wyoming weather, man. When I lived in California, you never worried about the weather. The worst it would do is a cloud would come over and you get a thunderstorm or something. But in Wyoming, the weather will kill you, so you pay attention. Cheshire Cat, I'm crazy. I just ended up returning home with a betta that is super small and thin. Oops, head bigger than body. Don't know how they're even selling it. Thought it was dead. Any tips on care? Well, I'll give you my best tips and um, send you all good vibes for that better to do okay. That's a tough one, Cheshire Cat. So from the get-go, I mean, I wish you all the luck in the world and I hope the better recovers. But from the get-go, just know that uh, this is going to be a tough one. Fish might not make it. So let's do what we can to, to help it. So what I would do is a shotgun approach. Um, if it doesn't have any obvious like external parasites or anything, then I would immediately go for internal stuff. It's super thin. So what I would do, if it's super thin, it's probably a nutrition thing. And that means either internal parasites or an internal infection, like a bacterial infection. Um, so I would, oh, which one would I start with? So I'm trying to figure, do I start with antibiotics like canamycin and nitrofurazone? Because that will cure an internal infection. So if it's having trouble absorbing nutrients because of a bacterial infection, that those will probably help. Or do I go with like flubendazole and try to hit parasites? So let's narrow it down this way. If you have a hospital tank you can put it in, then you can start with either the antibiotics or the flubendazole, see if that works. One or the other, I wouldn't mix those two, unless you can find out if they can be mixed. I've never been able to find out yet if it's safe to mix canamycin nitrofurazone with flubendazole or not, so I just don't mix them. So if you have a hospital tank, I would just flip a coin and choose one. Um, if you don't have a hospital tank, then I would definitely start with the flubendazole because that will mess up your uh, biological filter as where the antibiotics will. So if you're just trying to treat in its tank, I start with flubendazole. If that doesn't work, so I do a treatment, I would wait two days, do another treatment, wait two days, do another treatment. Um, and if there's no improvement, then what I would do is move that fish into a hospital tank and do a mix of canamycin nitrofurazone and see if that helps. If neither of those work, then maybe you could try some general cure, which is metronidazole and praziquantel. Um, yeah, I would start there and see, see where you go. I would definitely keep that little guy warm, like 86 degrees would not be too hot. I mean, gradually, if it's not being kept that warm right now, gradually I would raise it up. Um, even though it's an air breather, a slow circulating air stone would be great. Something just to keep the water a little flowing and fresh. You know, not, not, not strong current, but heat, a little bit of, of movement of the water. And then, uh, yeah, I would start with either flubendazole or canamycin slash nitrofurazone. So those are my thoughts, Cheshire Cat. Um, Bob linking up the t-shirts. I've got some t-shirts at Teespring. If you want one, go get some. Marsh Aquatics. 
do you have the sun gear paired off? So I looked today and I can definitely sex them. I'm not gonna be able to sell, sell uh, pairs because I have more females. So I think I'm gonna sell them as trios. One thing I'm gonna do after this live stream or perhaps tomorrow is do a more accurate count, see what the exact ratio is and uh, start listing them as pairs or trios or something like that. But yeah, they're definitely big enough to sex now. The males are getting some nice color. I'm pretty confident that the ones that I think are females are actually females. If, But cut me some slack if a female turns into a male later. I mean, it can happen. You can get some late maturing fish and just not know it. But yeah, they're... Uh, they're sexed out and ready to go. I just need to, before I just had them listed as, you know, sun gore, because I, I wasn't aware of the sexes. I Sexing rainbow fish can be a little difficult until they really color up the males. Um, and yeah, <laughs> some of those rainbow fish are just hard to sex. Let's put it that way. Maybe, maybe Gary Lane could take a, a look and be like, oh yeah, to all of them. But like, Incisus, those are so hard. The Erie and Reds, uh, those are almost impossible for me to sex. I mean, I can do it sometimes just looking at the length of the first dorsal fin, but it's kind of hard to just glance at them and, and know. Yeah, some people are a lot better at sexing rainbow fish than I am. Bathy Phila or anyone else, planning on summer, summer tubbing? I am, but what I'm going to do is scuds. So I've got a 100, 120-gallon tub outside. And I just kind of scouted out the location. I'm going to buy an air pump just so I can put the air pump in there to give it some circulation. And then I'm going to fill it up with water, wait a week, and throw in some scuds. So that's what I'm going to do. Uh, endless supply of scuds for this summer. Lumpy Dog, how are the Amazon puffers doing? They're doing awesome, but I, I'm sold out. I sold nine of them this week. So I shipped the last nine out on Monday. But they were doing fantastic. Everyone recovered. Everyone gained weight. Um, the flubendazole seemed to be the trick with them to kind of clear out that final last thing that it looked like was going on. And yeah, they did fantastic. I tried to order more this week because a supplier had them listed. And so I ordered and my rep got back to me and was like, you know, they sent the wrong thing. Those aren't actually Amazon puffers. And they, it looked like they were figure eight puffers or a brackish water species. So I I said, never mind. We'll try again next time. But they're doing great and they're all at new homes right now, Lumpy Dog. Mile High Plecos, I plan on summer tanking. So is that you in a tank top or is that like an aquarium on your patio? <laughs> What's summer tanking, Mile High? <laughs> all righty. Here's another one. Carter Bing says, thanks. All right, you're welcome, Carter. Glad I could help out. Fish tube, are you concerned about medication immunity when treating all your fish coming in? Um, it's always a concern, but I don't just treat them like once and be done. I treat them for a full course for a week. So just like when you take antibiotics, the doctor says, you know, take the full course or you could have issues. I'm aware of that. And so I I do the full course. So I don't just sporadically do it if it's an antibiotic. I, uh, 
I treat a full course. So that's as cautious as I can be. Something else that might be helpful is there's antibiotics like canamycin and nitrofurazone and things like that, which in my experience work really well for me. But there's others that are antimicrobials, not necessarily antibiotics. And that would be the sulfas and things. So there's less issue with uh, immunity buildup and things like that if you use those medicines. So if that's something that's of real concern to you or you just want to give a one-shot thing because you think a fish just needs a boost or something, um, I mean, I, I don't use medicines that way, but some people do, then you might want to look at antimicrobials like, like sulfa drugs, like triple sulfa and things over antibiotics. Now, I'm sure that there are some uh, immune issues, you know, immunity buildup issues with that. But my understanding from the reading I've done and things is that it's a lot less of an issue with things like sulfa. So something that that might be uh, worth considering. But yeah, fish tube, I'm aware of that. And I try not to, um, I do my best to avoid that issue just by doing a, a full treatment. I, I never do like a one shot and then just leave it. So yeah, I think that's about as good as I can do. Cheshire cat. Yeah, I know it's a risk, but something drew me to it. Pretty sure it's a baby that shouldn't have been shipped and sold and hasn't gotten proper care. Saddest fish I've ever seen. Well, I hope I hope it does well for you. Um, it's definitely a risk, but like it's one of those situations where if it turns out good, then it's like awesome. It's a bonus, right? So lucky fish that you got it and that we'll try. I should have mentioned salt. Um, I would definitely use salt with that beta as well. Salt, jacking up the temperature, those two things alone might might help it out. 44 Mag Guy 1. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing good. How you doing? <laughs> it's that Joey <laughs> from Friends. How you doing? <laughs> I didn't do that right, but yeah. Um, fish tube, which lab test do you normally run or spot check? Um so uh, by lab tests, if you just mean parameters and things, then almost always it's ammonia and nitrite. I change my water very frequently, so nitrate doesn't tend to build up for me. Anytime I see fish acting strange or if I see a death in a tank or just the fish don't seem to be acting like they should be, they seem sluggish or they're a little pinched or, you know, any of those things, um, I automatically check for ammonia and nitrite. Because in my experience, there's been lots of times when fish have, when I was younger in the hobby, uh, early in the earlier days, the fish would, something would be wrong and I'd automatically like panic and start medicating. Um, I didn't know any better. I would just do that. And what I've learned since is that usually if the fish aren't doing well, then there is a reason, and often that reason is water quality. So even though I feel like I'm a good fish keeper, there are times when a tank goes through a mini cycle or there's a spike in ammonia or something, and I often don't even have a clue why. Like I haven't changed anything that I know of. Maybe a plant died. Maybe, uh, I, I don't know, there's a million different things, I guess. But that's what I check first. And often what I'll find is that, yeah, there's a spike in ammonia or nitrite. And then 
I know, okay, I need to fix that. So that's the first one I check. That's the one I check uh, pretty regularly, actually, just to make sure nothing's sneaking up on me. Apart from that, I mean, I'll occasionally check my pH just to see. I'll occasionally check my carbonate hardness just to see. But I already know that my water is going to be really soft and slightly acidic to neutral. That's just how my water rolls here. So I don't really check more than ammonia nitrite with any regularity. Um, yeah, so I guess, I guess that's the answer. Like, I, I know my water pretty well, so... If, if though, if I'm checking and the way I check the nitrite is with the five in one test strip or seven in one, whichever it is. So while I'm checking the nitrite, I'm also seeing nitrate and pH and hardness and stuff. So if ammonia and nitrite are off, then I'll just quickly, you know, look at the others to see if anything there had a sudden change or anything like that. But usually that's not the case. So yeah. So fish tube, that's the answer. Usually ammonia and nitrite, because that tells me if something's off in the environment that I've missed. So then I can correct it. Matt Kelly, Dan, do you find the scuds eat your plants or do your fish eat them quickly so they don't cause any issues? My fish eat them really quickly. But the other thing is that even in the scud uh, culturing tanks, I have plants in there and the scuds don't eat them. They'll eat any dead material off them, but they won't eat the plants. The exception is Java moss. For some reason, scuds love Java moss. And it takes them a little while because Java moss is kind of tough, but they'll eventually eat it down until it's just this stringy stuff. And then if you leave it longer, they'll eat that too. So I'm not sure why that is. Um, I want to put one caveat on here, though. I'm not a plant expert, and I don't have like rare, expensive plants that I keep with the scuds. It's usually like water sprite and maybe they do nibble with the water sprite, but it grows so darn fast that they don't eat it fast enough that it doesn't keep growing, I guess, and expanding and getting bigger. Um, the other thing I do with the scud tanks is anytime a plant in any of my aquariums becomes just overwhelmed with algae, which happens every now and then, I'll take that plant and put it in the scud culture tank and they'll just eat all that algae off it in a few days. So I've never had scuds damage any plants except for java moss. But I'm not keeping a lot of plants. I keep like water sprite, java fern, some java moss. And that's really just about it. So, yeah. But no, if you put them in a planted tank, I think that the fish will eat them quick enough that they're not going to do any real damage. The population won't get to the point where I don't think they would do any damage. They're pretty safe food. Although Matt, if you keep like super rare, delicate, <laughs> if there's this plant that you've spent 10 years finding and cultivating and stuff, like, I mean, yeah, I mean, I could be wrong about that. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't, <laughs> next week, Matt's going to be like, well, I put it on with my, with my ultra rare expensive species and now it's gone. Yeah, I don't wanna, yeah, I don't want that to happen. <laughs> 45 watching, not bad for this little channel. Welcome everybody, glad you are here. 
James Glenn, getting the message retracted. What you typing, James? <laughs> All right. Wichita Falls. Hey, so good to see you. I used the spectrogram good on my L33 and it worked. Great. That's awesome. So I'm glad to hear that that worked. Um, what spectrogram is, is a mix of canamycin and nitrofurazone. That's what it is. So if you aren't comfortable, uh, I'm not talking to you, Wichita, just in general, anyone listening wants a good gram negative antibiotic and doesn't want to mix canamycin and nitrofurazone, spectrogram is a pre-made, pre-mixed kind of capsule that's easy to use. So uh, keep that in mind. Yep. I'm so glad to hear it worked though. Man, there's been a lot of pleco illnesses. There's been several folks that have contacted me lately, just in the past month or so. Um, I don't know what it is, but lots of problems with plecos recently. So maybe there's something, a seasonal change going on at their collection sites that, that's affecting them or something. But uh, yeah, I'm glad to hear that one worked. Oops, chat jumped. It did that thing. 47, yes! <laughs> It's the right direction. Hang on. Um, hang on. I'm finding chat. It jumped. Oh, la, la, la. Where is it? There it is. Here we go. Cheshire Cat. I have a hospital tub, but I put the bed in the seven gallon that has been sitting fishless. Just two nerites and plants. Cool. Wanted to get it comfortable ASAP after living in a cup. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes just proper care is all it takes to get a fish to recover and do well. Um, but when you mention that it's all pinched and stuff, that makes me think uh, it might need some real, it could really need some medication. There might be something going on internally. BDK, um, but Cheshire, before I get to BDK 1320, in, in that case, I would start with flubendazole just because then you don't have to worry. The antibiotics will screw up your whole system uh, in an established bioactive tank. So I would start with the flubendazole. I've never had flubendazole um, hurt a bioactive system or screw up my biofilter or any of that stuff. So, okay, BDK thirteen twenty. Just curious, have you ever approached Corey at Aquarium Co-op about promoting get gills? He said multiple times he would be open to teaming up with a good source for ordering fish online. So yes, Corey and I have talked. Um, and we, there was a, we've thought about partnering and things like that, and it just didn't go through. And I don't know exactly why I can't speak for Corey and I admire the guy and I, I like everything that he's done for the hobby and the YouTube kind of community and all that. My, my suspicion is I think the guy's too busy to add something to his plate right now. I mean, Again, I, I can't speak for him. I don't know the exact reason that he decided not to go through with it. But, and I'm comfortable saying it because he talked about it publicly and stuff that that he and I were talking. Um, so it, it didn't go through. I think he's just so busy that adding something else to his plate right now just isn't possible. That's my suspicion. So, yep, I tried BDK and I would still love it to happen. I would love to partner with Corey. Um, and if he's open to it, Corey, if you're listening, I would still be open to doing that, but 
I mean, the guy's developing all these products. He's trying to keep his YouTube channel active. He's running his store. He's trying to expand the areas of his business that are growing. And so that's the online sales and stuff. So he's looking at new warehouses. I mean, anyone that follows him just knows that guy's got a lot going on. And um, he just might not even have the bandwidth to do more than be like, I would like to do that. But at this time, I, I just can't. I actually thought, <laughs> don't do this. But at one point I was going to like contact everyone and be like, okay, everybody message Corey that we should partner. <laughs> I, I, that'd be a little disrespectful. I mean, if he's busy, the last thing he needs is, you know, 500 messages saying, hey, you should partner with Get Gills. But um, I did think about that at one point. Don't actually do it because, again, I, if someone's busy, that's the last thing they need. But... I did think about that, BDK. <laughs> 49 watching. We're going up. Oh, yeah. Libby Dog, read comment above from Sunshine Aquatics. Okay. Sunshine, let me find it. Hey, Tech Turtle. Uh, I hate that I can't highlight the comment because, yeah, my mobile device does that too. Ah, thank you, Bob. I just wanted to let him know the Geophagus and Congos came in today in excellent condition and happy. Good, Sunshine. I'm glad to hear that. I sent out uh, nine of the Geophagus wine Milleri this week, and I was nervous because I've never shipped that particular species before. And so anytime I'm shipping a species for the first time, I'm always a little nervous because what if I don't know that, I don't know, what if it's Cory's and I didn't know that Cory's um, expel venom and can poison themselves in the bag. And so there's a specific way you have to prep them for shipping or they won't make transit. Or what if geophagus, um, something happens and they need like ultra oxygen saturation. And so I have to use a bag that's three times normal with a bunch of air in it or, or and maybe methylene blue in there to help things, you know, things like that. So I'm super glad to hear that. So all nine made it, yours and the other uh, persons, they all made it. And by the way, I, I haven't, <laughs> oh, I haven't been able to take any updated pictures or videos of those guys. I'm way behind on that. Um, when you, I'm setting records every week with the amount of fish I'm selling and shipping. And it's just got me so busy just keeping up with that, that I, I'm behind on some things. And I apologize for that. The good news is, that if we get a little busier and stay there, then I'll be able to hire somebody and that'll take some pressure off and then I'll be able to catch back up on the videos and all the pictures and stuff. But um, those fish are starting to color up. They're starting to look pretty good. So I would think that within a week or so, you might have some pretty nice looking geophagus wine miller eye there. And those little Congo tetras, some of them are starting to show some good color. So they're, they're still small enough that sexing them would be a little hard for me, I think. But uh, they're getting some iridescence on them, but sunshine, that's great to hear. I'm so glad they did well for you. That's awesome. And that's a relief to hear too. Cause again, first time I've shipped that species tech turtle, a dance fish. I second what BDK 1320 said. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I really, I really would like to work with aquarium co-op. Um, and there was that time there was like six weeks or so when Corey kept saying, that he wanted to do something and if he could find the right person. So I approached him, we talked, it, it just didn't go through. And, and I have to respect his decision. You know, I mean, 
maybe in six months things will calm down and, and we'll be able to do something. If that's even the reason, uh, if the reason is just he's just too darn busy to even think about it. Uh, maybe there's another reason. And, you know, I don't know. <laughs> maybe there's a reason that can't be solved. I have no idea. Uh, Michael Wilson at Bathyphila. I try a mono shrimp on the staghorn algae. Cool. Unless pointy nose predators are in the tank or squirt the tufts with hydrogen peroxide. Cool. Michael, thanks for helping Bathyphila out. Uh, Bathyphila, sorry I didn't see the question, but glad Michael Wilson's got you covered. Okay. Here we go. Lumpy Dog, Dance Fish. I moved the Procatopus of Barons to a tank with a red, white, and blue LED source. Their color really pops now. Oh, yeah, it would. Like anything in that blue spectrum, like the Atinic, would come in and pop. And then, I mean, they, they're one of those fish that just, usually when you see them in a pet store, if you see them in a pet store, right? I mean, they're, they're hard fish to find, but if you see them in a pet store or at a convention and they're in a little tank or something, they often don't look that good just because they're stressed or the light isn't right. Um, but you get them in the right light and they're, they're an awesome fish, really unique coloration. If you think for those that are trying to picture this, if you think of a rice fish in body shape and stuff, but with nice blue iridescence on the body and then lots of really kind of delicate oranges and yellows kind of marbled and striated throughout the fins and stuff. They're really cool fish. So I'm glad to hear that lumpy dog. I'm glad to hear that they're popping. And I, I hope that the eggs and babies and stuff are doing well for you. Um, I think you had mentioned that they had spawned for you. And how are the fricatas doing? I know you got some baby fricatas. Hopefully they're growing up and doing fine. By the way, the nice thing about pseudomugils, uh, fricatas, signifer, um, pasci, um, tenilis, all those, is that they don't take forever to grow like Melanotanias and glossolepis and stuff like that do. So they're, they're just so much easier to breed. And the babies hatch so much bigger. It'll blow your mind. You'd think that a Melanotania being such a, a big fish, they would have bigger babies. But no, these tiny little pseudomugils have much bigger eggs and bigger babies than the Melanotanias and stuff. They're much easier to raise, in my opinion, in my experience. And they don't take as long, which is fantastic. All right. Okay. It's, um, oh, here we go. So FishTube, have you thought about how you will prevent fraud on getgills.com? So the payment processor that we use, Stripe, has a massive fraud prevention. There are, for the sellers that have signed up, you know that when you get your first payment, um, Stripe goes into fraud mode and vets everything super carefully and in depth. So basically the government requires that we know where the money comes from. We know that it's not like being funneled from a terrorist organization or laundering, you know, the mob boss is using it to launder money or, or anything like that. So there are really in-depth um, procedures and we partnered with Stripe so that this can happen that make it so that we know where the money's coming from. We know uh, 
everything's kind of vetted to the government satisfaction. So there's that step. And then the main thing that we rely on as a community, there's two things. One is the, the rating system. So if someone is a bad actor, if a seller is defrauding you, if you go to buy fish from them, if they're collecting your money, never sending the fish, you know, anything like that, then the rating system is there for that. So basically, if someone gets a few bad ratings, then no one will buy from them again. So that's that's number one, is that the community kind of regulates itself through the rating system. Number two is the Get Gills Facebook group. Um, you can go there and ask people, hey, is this buyer any good? I'm thinking of buying from them. Did you have a good experience? Or anyone else having trouble with this? I mean, this seller any good? Or sellers can be like, hey, is anyone else having trouble with this buyer? Like, like some weird stuff's happening. So the community is there to support itself. And then there's us. If anyone has a real issue, um, you can always reach out to us, dan at getgills.com. And we we will step in if we have to, if someone's a bad actor. So that, that, those are kind of the systems fish too. So the first thing is we partner with Stripe to take care of that. Then there's the community. And then there's me. If, uh, if someone's been having a problem, let me know and, and we'll dig in and we can take care of things. So far, so good. Although today I did have to contact the seller and say, hey, this person bought from you on the 6th. It's now the 10th. They haven't heard anything from you. Please contact them. And I'm sure that that person was just, you know, busy or hasn't checked the email or, or whatever. But uh, yeah, every now and then I have to step in and <laughs> get some things going. But really, that's the f that's maybe happened twice in the entire time. No, it's happened three times. One time it was because an email address had been entered wrong. And so the person just wasn't getting the notifications because there was an error when they entered their email address. Um, the other time is just, oh, I hadn't checked. And this time I don't know what it is. But so, yeah, FishTube, if you have any ideas or if you have any thoughts about that, I'm always open. Yeah. Aussie Fish Adventure. Hey, checking in, mate. Nice to see, hear you. Hose, you're doing well. Hose, I am doing well. Don't you love autocorrect? Hope you're doing well. Well, thanks, Aussie Fish Adventure. Glad you're here. And uh, yeah, love your stuff. Keep them coming. For those that don't know, let's let's show people this. I think that Aussie Fish Adventure. Hang on. <laughs> I can't type. Here we go. So All right. Yeah, so for those that don't know, there's some cool um cool videos. I'll just share this real quick. Uh so this is Aussie Fish Adventures. I like them. I I like the stuff. I love some of the neat videos that are on here. So, I don't know. Worth checking out, in my opinion. Um, let's see here. Let's see here. Bathy Phila, 
Aplocalyctes and Procatopus aren't particularly closely related with slightly different breeding strategies, mop versus crevice. So I'm not worried about hybridization myself. Yeah, um, Aplocalyctes and Procatopus, I don't think would hybridize at all. I think you're right on about that, Bathyphila. Did I miss a question from Lumpy Dog about that? If I did, Lumpy Dog, I'm sorry. Lumpy Dog, my scuds eat green hair algae. Scuds, I don't think there's a kind of algae they don't eat. They're the, they are the best algae eater out there, for sure. The only issue is that if you have fish in a tank and it's full of algae and you put scuds in there, the fish will eat them. So <laughs> that's the problem. But I think that they're the best algae eater I've, I've ever encountered, for sure. They're small enough, they can get into all the little crevices and nooks and crannies. They aren't picky, they'll, they'll eat all of it, all of it. They'll even chew on blue-green algae. I'm not sure that they enjoy it. I mean, that's not truly an algae, but, but they'll, they'll eat it down. Um, okay, 44 Mad Guy one Just got some plants in the aquarium and they seem to be doing okay. Got Jungle Val, Dwarf Sag, and Dwarf Aquarium Lilies. Cool. Well, Jungle Val is one that even I can keep alive, so that should do well for you. Dwarf Sag, even I can keep alive. That's what's going on in here. And it's it's in sand, and it survived the stuff that killed uh, a lot of the other plants. So it's a tough one. And Dwarf Aquarium Lilies, I've never kept, but I've heard that they're super hardy. So that sounds awesome. Hope they do well for you. 49 watching. Cool. Tech Turtle. When are you getting more puffers? Last I looked, you were sold out. Yep, I sold out last week, shipped um, them all this Monday. So I tried to get more on Monday. They appeared again and I tried to get them. It turned out they were not available. So I'll get them when I can. That's a fish that is not always available. So when it is, I'll get it. There's another species of puffer that I've been thinking of getting. It's the red-eyed puffer, but I don't know that much about it, and I can't find a lot of information about it. So anyone here that's kept those, what, I, what I'd what i like to know is, can they be kept together, or are they going to tear each other apart? That's really what I want to know. The second thing that would be helpful is, do they pick on other fish? So... Maybe you can keep them together, but they'll kill any other fish in the aquarium. I don't know. What I suspect is that they're a puffer that you kind of have to keep by themselves. And if that's the case, I'll be pretty hesitant to get them. But I have a source for them. They've had them available for a while. And so I've, I've tried to dig in and, and find information, but I, I haven't ordered them because I just am not comfortable that I know enough about them yet. So if anyone knows about red-eyed puffers, um, and the other thing is, I think that there's like a lot of species that go under that catch-all of red-eyed puffers. So maybe it's going to be hard to know. So, but if anyone knows about them, I'm looking for information. Um, hang on. I saw Michael Wilson here and then it skipped on me. Let me go back to that. There you are. Michael Wilson, expecting a group of unidentified wild licorice garamis this week. Awesome. Since you've kept them, would appreciate hints. Temperatures 80 to 82 in soft water, okay? Um, Yes to the soft water. I kept mine in the 70s, uh, probably around 77, 78-ish is what I kept them at. Which species did I have? Um, 
Uh, Michael, I'm sorry, I don't remember the species. Gonawane, something like that. Uh, parrot, hang on, let me see if I can. Parrot, I can't remember how to spell the genus. Licorice, Gorani. Oh, I can't remember. Gonawane, Gonawane, something like that. Um, I don't remember the species I had and I, I'd have to take some time to dig in. I'm sorry. Um, but for me, it was mid to upper seventies. Yes. Soft water. Um, if you can produce it easily, if you naturally have hard water and you don't have RO and DI and all that, then, um, then I wouldn't worry about it. But I, I would imagine you can do RODI systems and things. So if you can do soft and even somewhat acidic water, I think that's helpful if it's easy to do um, for you. But I've also kept them in, you know, hard alkaline water and they did fine too. I really think that with what I would definitely do, Michael, is I would definitely medicate them when they arrive. I find that those blackwater garamis and bettas, it's a real gamble if you get them and you don't put them through a round of antibiotics. Um, and by a round, I mean a, a, <laughs> a full treatment of antibiotics. It, once I started doing that prophylactically, then my losses have been minimal, absolutely minimal. So that's the one thing I would say is that I think they'll really benefit from antibiotics when you first get them in. They just go through so much hell uh, from collection to you getting them. And they get exposed to so many bacteria and stuff that they would never encounter in the wild. They don't have immunity to that. If I don't do that, I'm very, very likely to lose the whole batch. So that's the one thing I would say for sure. Uh, something else about them. I wouldn't keep them with other fish, or if I did, they would be really slow moving, sedate fish. Even keeping them with, maybe maybe once they settle in, it would be okay, but even keeping them with like Boraris or small little peaceful fish, it's just the activity and the movement of those seems to stress them out. And they get out-competed for food so quickly. Um, they're a very slow moving, deliberate fish. And so I would keep them by themselves. Maybe once they're really well established, then you could try a few other small fish in with them if you want. But I really think just the activity can stress them out a bit. The, the one thing, I, although sometimes dithers can be helpful to bring them out. I just wouldn't do a ton. Like if you do get them through and they settle in and stuff, then maybe a, a few dithers if they're being shy all the time. Although what I've found is that the best dithers for um, fish like that are themselves. So if you only have a pair or a few, they're probably going to be shy. But I found that if I get big groups, then they dither themselves. Like they, they're out and about and confident because they see others around them. So that's something else to keep in mind. Um, I don't know. Those are kind of my thoughts, uh, Michael, just just kind of spitballing off of your question. If you have anything specific you want me to dial into, let me know. and I can go into it a little more. Tech Turtle, have you ever thought about other puffers 
to sale to sell yes i have i'm limited i don't want anything brackish water because i don't want to mess with that and i don't want anything mean so freshwater community puffers that narrows it down pretty well to amazon puff puffers and congo spotted puffers that's kind of it i don't know about these red eye puffers um I don't know. My, I suspect they're probably not going to do well together and then I probably won't get them. But although I have all these, I have like 25 and a half gallon tanks. I could put one per tank or something like that, but that kind of gets to be a bit of a pain. <laughs> but that's the reason tech turtles just, they have to be able to live together peacefully and be in fresh water. And there's not many that do that. Pea puffers might be another option. They're a little nippier though than a lot of puffers than like Amazon's, but you can keep pea puffers together if you have a big enough, well enough planted tank. Um, the issue is, is that everybody's selling pea puffers, so it's it's just hard to compete with that. So Janice Lundberg, I've watched so many YouTube videos and I still can't find an answer. I have soft water. My KH is 5.3 and GH is 71.6. But the, oh shoot, Janice, I want to help you so bad. Um, Oh man, Janice, I cannot find the rest of your question or comment. Um, oh, there it is. Soft water, Kate, my pH runs 7.2 to 7.5. I don't know how to harden my water without raising the pH. Yeah, I don't either. A lot of research, still no answers. So many say use crushed coral, but increases the pH. Yeah, Janice, I do not know how to raise hardness without raising pH myself. It's almost like they're an equation. There's an equal sign. And if you increase on one side, it's going to increase on the other. It, it's almost an equilibrium thing where if one raises, the other does too. I'm sure there is some chemical you could add that would increase hardness without increasing pH. But the problem is it won't... I don't know how stable that would be. Um, yeah, I'm sorry, Janice. I don't know of any way to increase hardness without increasing pH. If someone here knows that, please chime in. Let's help Janice out. But that one's got me stumped. I've never run into a product that can do that reliably. Yeah. I'm sorry. I wish I could say, like, here's how you do it, but... I don't know. I don't know that it can be done. Maybe it can be done, but I, I wouldn't know how. Okay. Bathyphila, the coolest thing about Procatopus is that depending on the angle of the light, they can appear almost transparent to almost like a neon sign. Yeah, for sure. It, yeah, they're just swimming and then they turn. It's just this brilliant flash. Yeah, they're awesome. The other thing is oxygen content. So Jorgen Scheel, like one of the fathers of the killifish hobby in his book uh, about killifish, he did experiments and he noticed that more oxygen, dissolved oxygen in the water equaled more iridescence. Uh, and the less dissolved oxygen, the less iridescence. So it seems to be a factor of oxygen too, at least according to uh, Jorgen Scheel. But yeah, they are really cool. They're different each time you look at them, depending on, on where they are. My high plant goes, woo, I can grow algae. You've got talent, Mikey. You've got talent. 
aka light and nutrients. <laughs> Fish tube. Sounds like you have a good plan in place. Well, thanks. I, I mean, I do the best I can, but I'm always learning. Like I'm, I'm always trying to do better and I'll run into stuff, scratch my head and have to figure it out sometimes. Sometimes my plan doesn't work and I have to readjust down the line. But yeah, I'm, I do my best, do my best. Fish tube, any future plans for plants? No. If I ever get my dream warehouse, we'll have a big plant section and I'll hire a plant person to run that section because I don't know that much about plants. Um, I think that at a certain point, it would be good to do that just from a business practice. But I don't even have enough room right now in this facility for all the fish I need to keep in stock. Um, so, yeah. One day, though. One day. But it's not immediate and it's not going to be in this facility. The Fish Tank Barn. Hey, good to see you. Welcome. Any additional updates on the latest Santa Maria Endlers? Yeah, I've got some pairs for sale right now. Fish Tank Barn at getgills.com. And or dancefish.com, which is on getgills.com. So for those that are new, this might be confusing, but um, I, I run a store, dancefish.com, which is hosted on getgills.com. And getgills.com is a site where you, yes, you can list your fish and stuff for sale as well. So anyone can create a store on getgills.com and uh, become part of that kind of marketplace. So yeah, they're for sale right now. I've got several, several pairs ready to go. So they're doing good. And I'm encouraged. I got another batch that kind of grew out uh, from the babies of the other batch. And they so far seem to be coloring out nicely. So I think it's well and truly set now. So it looks good, Fish Tank Barn. <laughs> Mile High Plecos. He's making me want more Plecos. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that that already happened. <laughs> I can't think of a day when Mile High Plecos would be like, man, I don't need any more Plecos. <laughs> I've seen that guy's fish room. It's like, how can I get another Pleco? 44 Mad Guy 1. Cool, thanks. You're welcome. All right. Janice Lundberg. Oh, okay. Sorry. I already responded to that about the crushed coral and pH and hardness. Yeah, that one's got me stumped. Cheshire cat. I just saw the bed is eating a passing seed shrimp or whatever we talked about. Cool. So let's, that's a good sign. He has an appetite. That's awesome. Speaking of bettas, I never, I was going to give an update on last week's order. So the good news is everyone's doing awesome. Uh, the betta NSA are, they're full of personality. They're at the front of the glass. They're begging for food. They eat everything, flakes, pellets, like from the beginning, I didn't have to train them train them at all. Like from the beginning, they were just pigs. So they're doing awesome. They're big. They're like from tip of the nose to tip of the tail. Some of them are around three inches, um, getting nice black margins on the uh, anal fins and things. They're a fun fish. So they're doing awesome. The betabelica, same thing, just kind of a smaller fish, different color, but same kind of attitude. They're not shy. Uh, a lot of times you think of wild type bettas as being these shy little fish that you never see. No, these are up at the front of the glass begging um, and they eat everything too. The other one that's doing really well is the Betta Embellus. They're doing fine. They eat rapashi like crazy. They're eating frozen foods like crazy and live foods. They aren't 
super stoked about pellets and flakes yet. So they're, I'm training them. They're going to take a little more work, but they'll get it. They're at that stage now where they're just like, they'll grab it, kind of chew it a little bit, and then spit it out. So that's where they're at. And then the Betta Cochina doing great. Um, I got 150 of them in, something like that. And I only lost two, which is great because that is a blackwater, really delicate species. So they're over the hump. They're in their kind of more permanent home. I was going to say forever home, but until I sell them home, a nice planted tank where they can relax and have fun. And they are not yet, they're eating like, like frozen bloodworms and stuff, but they're really picky little delicate eaters. So I'm not ready to do anything with them yet. They're going to take some work. Um, they're nibbling on the flake foods and the pellets and stuff, but they aren't really eating anything with gusto except maybe baby brine shrimp. So they're going to take some work to, to train, um, but they're healthy and they're doing great. So I'm thrilled about that because wild type bettas, again, they can be, they have a reputation. And I really think the success, the success I, I have with them is attributed to antibiotics. I just don't think I could keep that fish if I didn't medicate them the first week I had them. Um, everything else is doing well too. The, uh, the other stuff that we talked about last week, I don't want to go too like to bore you with it, but I'm glad to say everything's doing good. So the, um, I got two pseudomugils, the past guys, which are the, the red kind of laser. They look like a Gertrude a little bit, but they're bigger and kind of a red color. They're doing good. And so are the fricatas. Um, they're, when I moved the past guy to their kind of more permanent tank, their forever tank-ish, they, they're doing fine. There's a little bit of clamping on some of them, a little bit of like stress from that move. So that makes me know that they're not ready to, I mean, I've only had them a little over a week, so I'm not ready to sell them yet, but they're gonna take a little more work before they're uh, rock solid that I'm comfortable shipping them. And they're starting to eat. Today was the first day that they really flake food well. They were a little picky to start with. I'm not sure what the breeder fed them, but they're today they kind of ate flake food well, and they're they're adjusting. But they are going to take some uh, some time before I'm confident that I don't put them in a bag and ship them to you, and you have problems. So everything's doing well. It's just some things are going to take a little longer than others. We're up to 51 watching. Not bad. Not bad for us. That's good. Um, 44 mag guy one, what payments do you accept on get gills website, credit card, debit, PayPal, or does it depend on the seller? Um, so it's, it's all it checkout, a credit card or debit card is how it's done. So, yep. Take out your plastic. We take plastic. <laughs> How's that? Um, PayPal, we eventually want to do, but right now PayPal won't let us use them. They, they are not set up to handle a multi-vendor marketplace such as GetGills. Um, they, don't, they don't have that, they haven't released that capability to us. So I want to use PayPal, I simply can't, and that's on PayPal side. So they don't have the uh, API to release to us so that we can make that work. So any plastic, debit card or credit card, works. All right. Trayson Hemmert, are promo codes an option on GetGills? Not yet, but they will be. So we're still, 
<laughs> yes, well, we want to be able to make it so you can give promo codes. We want to be able to do lots of things. We have like a nine page list of stuff to do and that's on there. Where we're at now though, when we first launched it, we didn't realize how much flexibility sellers would need when it came to shipping stuff. Like if you sell 10 different things and they have to ship 10 different ways, but these three can ship together, but these two can't ship with this other one and all that, it gets really complicated. We didn't realize how complicated that would be. So when we first launched, this shipping was very simple. But the sellers let us know, hey, I've, this isn't, I, I need more functionality. Uh, this isn't quite where I need it to be. So we added that functionality and that added a bunch of complexity. So it went from too simple to too complex. And now what we're doing is we're working really hard. Um, we know what to do. It's just writing all that code and, and, and configuring the database so it can work again um, to make it so it has all that flexibility and functionality, but it's done in a really simple linear process. So that's what we're working on, just making it so that the shipping can do everything it needs to do, but still be simple. Um, and that's a heck of a job. <laughs> it's, that's a lot of code. That's a lot of reworking things. So we're doing that um, in, the, in the business. We call that product market fit, where our website is what the vendors want it to be. It fits their needs like a glove. So we're trying to, all the comments we've got from vendors and all the pain points people have pointed out and stuff, we've got that and we're, we're putting that all together. So that's our focus right now because that's a big thing that affects every sale on GetGills. We've got a list of a bunch of other stuff we want to do though. And once that big thing's done, then uh, we'll have more time. We've hit some of the little things every now and then, but then we'll have time to do things like set it up so a vendor can give out promo codes, um, make it so a buyer can add a note to their order for the, for the seller, um, all kinds of stuff. So uh, Trayson, it's on our mind to do that. We're just, uh, we have this mammoth project to get done first, and then we'll start doing things like that. G-Bear, how do I stop my Pandagara Oh, from jumping out of my tank into an aqua clear filter. I think they love the biofilm. Yeah. So Pandagara are jumpers. And if you look at them, they'll, they'll jump and suck, jump and suck, right? That's how they climb. Because in the wild, they, they're going to climb. They'll climb up like waterfalls, not, not 50 foot waterfalls like some gobies do, but um, they'll climb up rocks and climb up to different sections of the river and stuff. They're very good at jumping and climbing. I don't know how to stop that in an aqua clear. Um, I mean, I guess my mind goes to some kind of mesh, but the moment you put that on there, you're gonna have water splashing everywhere, right? That's my best thing though, is like some really thick mesh. Like, you know, those little strawberry baskets, the strawberries used to come in these green baskets, which was like a quarter inch plastic grid something like that that is widely enough space that you aren't going to get a ton of splash but small enough that the pandagara can't go up into it that's that's the best i got for you man that's a tough one though because that water flowing down 
tells the Pandagara, hey, there's a new pool of water up there because that water's coming from somewhere. So it's going to try to swim up the waterfall to investigate that new pool of water up that's upriver from it, right? So that's just this natural thing. Anyone that's keeping Pandagaras or thinking about get them, you got to have a nice tight lid on your tank. Those suckers will jump. I learned that the hard way a while ago when I, I got my very first ones. Um, I was shocked when I came in and the next morning and there was some on the floor. I had no idea. I always thought, hey, that's a bottom fish, right? That's not going to, it's like a Corydora jumping. I mean, maybe it happens once every 20 years, but no, Pandagara, yeah, they jump. And G-Bear, that's the best I got for you. A real thick kind of graded mesh. Bathyphila, have you had any luck colony breeding Chromaphiosemians? Yes. Have some in the mail as we speak. Cool. Yes. As long as the tank is really well planted, they should be fine. The, the trick to that is feed for fry. You don't have to do this, but you'll get a lot more if you just put a squirt of baby brine shrimp in there once a day or so. The fry will feed on like little microorganisms. They'll feed on little bits of flake food and powder from the pellets or whatever you're feeding, little bits of food that, you know, go into the aquarium. They'll eat off that, but you'll get a lot higher survival rate if you uh, squirt in some baby brine shrimp. So that's my best tip. So if you get a bunch of babies and they start growing up, great. If they start growing up and then suddenly you don't get any new babies anymore, then what's happened is those babies have grown to the point where they're preying on their siblings and then the next generation is having a hard time coming up, right? So if that happens, just be aware that that's probably why and that's fairly common. And then you can decide if you're just going to wait till they grow up and then the new batch can come up or, uh, or if you need to take measures to get more coming. So something to be aware of with them. But just squirting in some baby brine shrimp once a day or so will increase your yield a lot. And the adult chromaphiosimians will eat that as well. For those that don't know what chromaphiosimians are, ah, hang on, <laughs> it's hard to spell. There it is. Uh, they're these amazing killifish that have these stunning dorsal fins and anal fins. And they're great fish. This is my favorite. This looks like funge to me. This is my favorite. I love that fish so much. It's my logo. The dance fish logo is the silhouette of one of these that I took a picture of. And they're just stunning. They're generally pretty hardy fish. They're not too difficult to keep. And they're just fantastic. So that's what we're talking about for those that might be wondering what a chromaphiosimian is. Okay, hey, hang on. Chad jumped. Uh, jumped. Oh, here we go. I found it. Trayson Hemmert. Any promo code? Oh, Art, sorry. Already answered that one. You're welcome, Mag Guy. Hangar77. Hey, glad you made it. Good to see you. 63 watching. Yeah. Bathy Phila at Janice Lundberg and Dance Fish. Dan, can you tell, Dan can tell you in more detail about what softwater killies are in the hobby when he sees this. Um, Janice, there are some killies that, I can't think of any killifish that won't thrive in hard water. 
but there are some species that are difficult to breed in hard water. It's almost like the eggshell doesn't fully fuse or the gametes are somehow affected um, to where fertilization doesn't occur. I don't know exactly, but some diapterons, um, some other species can be a little difficult. Well, it can be very difficult to breed unless you have soft water. And it seems to be soft. Acidic's nice for some species, but it's really, it seems to be the water hardness that, that does this. Um, but it's very few species. And if it's a species that you can find and isn't like, you know, $100 a pair, odds are it'll breed just fine in hard water. Almost all of them thrive and breed just fine in hard water. Even if the egg yield or fry yield isn't as high as in soft water, it'll still be pretty darn good. So personally, unless you naturally had soft water, and you do from what I remember from your previous comment, um, but for other folks out there, unless you naturally have soft water, I wouldn't worry about softening it. I wouldn't soften it for killifish. I, if you have an RODI machine and it's super easy and you can do that and not go through a bunch of like ups and downs of pH and softness and hardness and acidity and all that, um, fine. If you can do it in a way that's simple and stable, go for it. It doesn't hurt anything. But otherwise, I wouldn't mess with it. And almost all the killifish species I've kept and bred over the years, I've done in hard water. And that's many, 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 many different species. So that's kind of my take on it. If, again, diapterons might be one group that really would benefit from soft water if you're trying to breed them. And everyone that has diapterons is trying to breed them because they're so rare. They're, they're not commonly available. So uh, Janice, those are kind of my thoughts on that, Janice and Bathyphila. Uh, generally, I, in general, unless you're a really advanced hobbyist and you have all the equipment to do it really steadily and stably, generally messing with parameters just causes more grief. And almost all fish will do just fine in hard alkaline water. I'm trying to think if I've ever found a fish that doesn't do well in hard alkaline water, and I can't think of one. And I'm, I've kept lots of black water species over the years, stuff that has a reputation of being really delicate in hard water and not had a problem. So Janice, if there's a specific species you're interested in, um, and you want to know if you can keep that in hard water or soft water, uh, let me know and I can I can help you out. I don't know if I would keep a phaneus in really soft water. And I don't know if I would keep uh, pupfish in really soft water. But almost all the rest would probably do fine in soft water, if that's what you have naturally. Bathyphila, would vinegar eels work for feeding babies in a killifish colony? They would. Yes, they would. And I don't know why this is. But the only live food that I found to be truly reliable long-term is baby brine shrimp. All the other cultures, vinegar eels, microworms, uh, infusoria, rotifers, all those things, they're all good. And you can raise batches of fish with them, don't get me wrong. But because they're all kind of long-term cultures, more or less, they do get to the point where they crash. And if you're not super diligent 
about refreshing cultures and creating new cultures all the time, um, you'll come to the point where you've got to feed and you don't have enough food. So baby brine shrimp, you don't have that problem because it's not a long-term colony. It's just um, you put in eggs and salt, <laughs> mix it up, and in 24 to, I don't know, 30 hours, you have food, you feed it, and it's gone. So you aren't maintaining it long-term. But so yes, vinegar eels can definitely do that, but you're going to have to have a, a large supply and continually refresh them and stuff and really be up on those cultures to have a continuous supply so you don't, you know, after a couple of weeks run out and then be like, shoot, I have all these baby fish. What do I do? So yes, they can work. Just you got to be diligent. Love you, dog. I've just, I've just tried fresh banana peel to start a new infusoria culture. It was, it worked better and faster than anything else I've ever tried. Just an FYI. Cool. That's good to know. That's awesome. Um, and I, I feed my scuds and stuff banana all the time. I haven't tried peel. Um, maybe that would be a good thing. To, <laughs> what a good use for peel, right? Um, but yeah, they love that stuff. It's soft and the, like the scuds just like sink into it. They just like burrow into it. It's kind of cool. But thanks, Lumpy Dog. That's good to know. Anyone here starting infusoria culture? Banana peel. In fresh. So Lumpy Dog, you didn't boil it or anything? Just ate a banana, threw in a little peel, I'm guessing? Fish tube. When is the best time to start out for summer tubbing? For me, it's right about now. It's snowing outside. There's a blizzard, but it's not cold enough that it's going to freeze my big old tub solid. So right about now is when I'm going to start it. And it just depends on your area. I would say when, um, whenever it doesn't get so cold that it will freeze whatever container of water you're trying to do it in. I'm talking about cold water species and scuds and stuff like that. If you're talking tropical fish, um, guppies and things like that, I would just wait till nighttime temperatures don't drop below, say, the upper 60s, 68 degrees or so. That would be kind of my cutoff for a lot of the tropical species. Anyone here have a different rule of thumb? I mean, so many variables. Is this a container that is insulated and gets warm in the day? So even if it does drop to 50 degrees at night, the water in the container isn't going to drop below really high 60s, low 70s. Is, is it a container that's buried in the ground so it stays really stable? There's, there's many, many different things. But just for a container that's up above ground and not insulated and not in direct sunlight or anything like that, I would say nighttime temperature is high 60s. All right. Jeff Chambers, any experience keeping or breeding freshwater pipefish? No. Seen videos on it. Um, I've never done it. Now, my, uh, my fish godfather, um, he kept freshwater pipefish, and I took care of his fish room a lot when I was growing up. So um, in his collection, I've kept them and fed them and cared for them, but never bred them. And I mean, I know it can be done because I've seen videos of it, but I've never done it. Kept them, yes. Bred them, no. And the trick with those guys is before you get them, you have to have a plan to feed them. They're not going to eat flakes. They're not going to eat pellets. 
they can eventually be trained to eat like frozen brine shrimp and stuff like that. But that can take a while to get them to switch over to that. So you've got to have a whole bunch of live food in a steady supply ready for them or you're going to have a lot of problems. So that's my that's my main word of advice. How are you going to feed them? Um, if you can solve that problem, then everything else can be solved really easily. So, yeah. And we just kept them, we kept them in the mid-70s. We didn't add any salt or anything to the aquarium. It was California. The water was naturally hard. It wasn't salty, though. And it was just a matter of being able to feed them. Bathyphila, I definitely see the benefits of BBS, baby brown shrimp. But I know enough about myself to know that doing prep work for them every day would probably last about a week. Yeah, so, so yeah, you can do vinegar eels. Just I would maybe every week make a few new cultures so that when that old culture crashes or just stops producing regularly, I mean, if you do that, you'll always have a few that are at the peak of production and you'll probably be fine. Yeah. Fish tube, Daphnia for um, summer tubbing or for pipefish. Uh, fish tube, I'm wondering, Daphnia question mark. I, I, my question is, what about Daphnia? Bathyphila, Rachel O'Leary has been putting out some good videos about how to do summer tubbing. Yeah, Rachel O'Leary, O'Leary has been doing it for years, and I think there's three, four years of videos of her doing it, so that would be a good spot to check. Um, Michael's Fish Room has some videos doing it. And there's some other folks too, but yeah, Rachel O'Leary, uh, she's... She's a great source for that, for sure. BDK1320, I would love to see more videos on you breeding, you do uh, on breeding in the fish room. I know it's a time thing. I would love to do more videos. In fact, every week I'm like, okay, today I'm going to, I have this video of Aphiosemum caliurum that I want to make. I've got all these aquariums and I want to take 10 pairs of these fish, condition them, put them all together, get the eggs, raise them up. Uh, hatch them, raise them up and all that and make a video of it. Uh, the issue is just time, honestly. That's all it is right now. I'm, I'm scrambling to keep up with everything. But thanks for noting that. I hear you and I agree with you. And as soon as I can, I'll do it. <laughs> Fish tube, Daphne and mosquito larvae for the summer tubbing start now. Daphne for sure. What time to place Daphne culture... Oh yeah, as long as it doesn't freeze solid, Daphnia will be fine. Daphnia do much better in cold water than in hot water. So you'll get like spring, you'll get tons of them, they'll do great. In the summer, they might not do well. And then in the fall, you'll get a bunch of them again. One trick with Daphnia, if you can bury the tub that you're using, I would do that because then it'll stay cooler. I would definitely put them in the shade for sure. Um, maybe get some of that black kind of mesh cloth that's used, uh, oh, what's it used for? For landscaping and stuff. And you can put it over the top to keep mosquitoes and stuff out just so you have a pure Daphne culture. And, but yeah, cold temperatures are what you want for them. So if I was doing Daphne, I would do that right now. I'm in Wyoming and right now it's warm enough that I could do that. I don't know where you're at or how cold it is, but uh, right now it's snowing outside, <clears throat> but it's not cold 
long enough that it's going to freeze that big tub solid. So, yep, do Daphne a while. It's cool, and they'll do great until the tub freezes, basically. All right. Candy, hey, welcome Candy Overhauls. Candy is here to close us out. We've been going for an hour and a half. I think it's probably time to say good night. So thanks everybody for being here. Thanks to for the super chat. Appreciate it, Fishtube. Um, any all the mods, glad you're here. 54 Punchy, so good to see you. I'm so glad you were able to make it. That's for you, Pam. Um, everyone else, thanks for being here. Uh, oh, wait, I got one more. Akuna Matata. Do you know if Akaisis Vespa is available in the hobby? Cannot find them anywhere. Uh, let me see what that is. I don't know what that is. I mean, in my mind, that's a shrimp, but that's probably really wrong. Hang on. What is this? Let's see what we're talking about. Okay, folks, here's what we're talking about. Oh. So, yes, it's occasionally available. The problem is that the, um, oh, shoot. Did I, okay, it's still going. <laughs> I did that on the wrong tab. I thought for a second that I had ended the stream. Um, the problem is that that fish is not listed under its scientific name. So it's a real gamble when you order them. I've seen them very, very occasionally. I don't know of any right now that are available anywhere. I'm sorry. I wish I did. Cheshire Cat, is there an easy, magical way to tell whether platys and mollies are pregnant, overfed gluttons, bloated, constipated, or have internal parasites? I haven't had these in 10 plus years. So it's, it's about shape and it's hard to explain. It's something that uh, your eye just gets used to. If a platy is pregnant or a molly or sortail or limia or whatever, then the, it's like, it's like this. It's kind of like boxy. It's almost like a straight line and then a straight line and then a straight line at an angle, but almost like, like, like that. If it's bloat, it's rounded. And if it's bloat, it's also out on the sides a lot more. I don't know how to explain it other than that. Uh, pregnancy is more linear. Bloat, constipation, all that is more rounded. It's the best I got for you. <laughs> carbon reel. Okay, carbon reel is shutting us down. So where was I? Um, oh, yeah. I did super chats. I thanked mods. Um, I kissed 54 punchy. I, uh, so also anyone that helped other people in the chat. Um, I saw Bathy Phila and Michael Wilson and stuff answering questions and talking. Thank you for doing that to stuff that I missed or just wasn't directed at me and all you lurkers. I'm with you. I will see you all next Wednesday, 7 PM mountain time until then. I hope you have a wonderful week and I will talk to you later. Bye-bye.